Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Double Impact Healing and Deliverance Center of Christ podcast, where our pastor is Apostle Keith Blanton. So today you have myself, um, Minister Yvonne Tucker, you have a prophetess, Ebony Richardson, and then we also have Minister Galen Cook today. You know, people of God, as always, God is doing some excellent things in this season. I hope you are consecrated. I hope you are praying. I hope you are, you know, before the Lord. I hope, I hope, I hope that you have an ear to hear in this season, that you are yielded and allowing God to have his way totally through you, for you, and around you. Because there are some amazing things that are breaking forth uh, along through now. But before I get ready to share with you all, thus saith the Lord, uh, we want to go ahead with a minute of prayer through uh, Prophetess, hallelujah, Prophetess Richardson is going to say a, a, a word of prayer for us. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We thank you for keeping us, guiding yes, us in so all truth, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, that for the word that is on the table that you're going to administer to your people, Lord. We pray, Lord, that every distraction would be bound now in the name of Jesus. We come against every hindrance, every delay. We come yes, against all, every Lord. demonic interference throughout the ether ways that would try to forbid your word from going forth. We bind it now in the name of Jesus. Every false emergency, every pain, every ache, every sickness, every disease, we bind it now in the name of Jesus. And we take dominion and authority over the atmosphere, the region, now and we command it and repeat that every principality be broken and destroyed and bound in Jesus mighty name and now God we pray that you would have your way oh God decrease us that you may get the increase oh Lord fill our mouths oh Lord with your word stir up the word that it may be ministered to your people according to your will and your way let oh God the hearts and minds of the people that follow around be broken up oh God that the seed may fall on good soil to bring forth fruit in this season good fruit righteous fruit your fruit, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' thank name, you, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, people of God, I can only come straight to you from uh, the secret place, that uh, place, that consecrated place that the Lord has with me and that is being allowed to operate uh, through my life. And so it's the effective witness, people of God. It's the effective witness that holds the power. That is how people overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. But our testimony comes through that effective witness. Um, just speaking personally, I know that the Lord has been uh, changing my garments uh, within this season, not just naturally so, but spiritually. And, you know, sometimes we do something and, you know, we can see it and we understand to an extent with other people, but uh, when it comes to us personally, it's, it's almost like we're going through the motions. But the Lord began to uh, deal with me about this new birthplace, this new place in him. And so uh, as God has brought me out of what I like to call a matrix, which is, you know, the systems of this world uh, and the traditions of men and the way the the, the systems operate, you know, totally you know, pulling me out of that system. You know, God has um, given me a new way to walk, a new way to pray, a new way to love him, um, to walk upright before him. And in doing that, 
he had to make sure that I was completely detached from that old mindset, you know, because sometimes I guess there's a saying, you know, you put a dog in a um, a yard and there's a fence. You put a fence around this 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 dog in this yard and that dog will bark along that gate. And then eventually when the gate is moved, that dog will still run along where that gate was and bark. When it's been liberated, it can it can go past that boundary line. So, you know, in this season, people of God know your liberty, know whom you are, whose you are in this season. As God had took me um, over into Romans, the uh, seventh chapter, he had begun to remind me that I am no longer attached to or affiliated with that old man that he's crucified, my old ways, old spouses within the spirit realm. I know that it's been, you know, said, um, you know, it's been ministered before to you all about, you know, the woman that had the seven husbands and things like that. Well, sometimes those husbands are things and traditions of men and doctrines of devils. And, you know, it, it can be so many different things that you can be uh, bound to that which you honor and you respect and you live by. And it's a, it's a whole wicked system. And so the Lord had to put me in remembrance that not only am I out of that system, but not to feel condemned by that system or that old way of life whom the son has set free is free indeed. Um, and how important, how truly important our thoughts are. Our thoughts govern our lives, people of God, because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in watching all things, watching sure the enemy doesn't trespass against our spiritual and natural garments, making sure that we don't get into agreement with everything. We also have to watch our own thoughts, that they not take us back into a place that God has snatched us and delivered us out of. And so um, as God had took me to um, the seventh chapter of Romans, um, the uh, I want to start at the first verse. It says, know ye Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Oh, that fruit, people of God. So it's, it's it's telling you once you've been birthed out by God, when you've been birthed out in the spirit, when you didn't kind of came out of this matrix, the world's way of doing things, own understanding was connected to all these spirits of pride, presumptuousness, you know, these unteachable spirit where can't nobody tell you nothing or it's hard to just about obey God because there's already a system and a judgment within you that measures something by how you hear. 
And so even though the word tells us to be careful how we hear, we can have an adder in our ear and not even know it. We can be saved for years and years and have other fruit and works unto God, not understanding that he's looking for us to come higher people of God. So in this scripture, it talks about, you know, not being connected to that old husband, not being connected to the law, not being connected to all those things which raised me in the way that I used to go. So I don't even have to feel condemned about them when I see them or different aspects of them because God has totally, you know, redressed. God has totally done, uh, redone a work, his work, his will. A new creation. Uh, yes. And so um, then he took me into Acts, the second chapter, and he took me to the to Acts two and three. And it says, um, and they appear and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And the spirit gave them utterance. Now, what the Lord had dealt with me is about getting ready to fill me, getting ready to pour in that new wine, which is not just his spirit, but it's it's a new revelation. It's a new way of doing things. There's a new grace. And that is the garment, people of God. God, that is that is the spiritual garment that so many people miss. Um, I know the word talks about modest apparel and, you know, the, the the religious traditions and doctrines teach people to dress a certain way. And so all these codes are connected to the law, the old system. But what has God graced you with? What is the effective testimony in your life? And so when God began to deal with me about that and talk to and he began to pour in that new wine and that new understanding. And he allowed me to know that this is not just for you, but this is for others, that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. This is to destroy nations, not just in the flesh, but in the spirit. You know, it's dealing with demons. There are um, the Greek gods and goddesses. That, that are demonic forces. And of course, they teach you about them in school. And we have no idea that they're principalities until God begin to open our eyes to them. And um, the, the, the lust of the eye is so prevalent on how the enemy uses people, how he changes their mindset, how he gets in their belly and their soul and, and ultimately changes their course, how it appeals to an appetite and puts within an appetite in, within a person. Yes, because I was going to say that. Yes, because the eye gates are the windows to the soul. And so uh, studying my lineage, not just within my family, but even according to the word, understanding where the Lord had, you know, began to birth me out from, you know, David. You know, which is, of course, connected to the line of Jesus. But, you know, as good as a man as David was and he was a man after God's own heart, it was his eye that tend to have got him in trouble. You know, the, the, the issue and the thing that happened with Bathsheba was when he began to peer out that window. And that's so much deeper than what a person would really think. There was a, a, a seducing spirit. Because when you will to do good, evil is present, which it also talks about in you know, Romans, the seventh chapter. You know, this is why we have to watch our thoughts. This is why we have to constantly make sure that the meditation of our heart and that the answer of our tongue is from the Lord, as Proverbs 16 and 1 says. But 
looking back at the downfall of the uh, predecessors, I hope I'm using this word, right, predecessors or, or, or uh, successors before me, looking at predecessors, I use the right word, okay, predecessors, looking at what made them fall is the place that you have to humble your soul in and allow God to dress and remake you in. These, if, it, if it's stuff, if it's lust, if it's things, you know, if it's, it's if constantly being beguiled or being tricked by something said, by something you see that doesn't line up with the will of God, you have to allow God to begin to anoint you in that place to kill you there so that what he says, let every man be a lie and God be the truth. And so as he began to place this, place these new garments, begin to put these new tongues and these new revelations, it's not just to be seen of men. It's not for my glory at all, but it, it's for his glory. God is very, 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 very strategic, which is why it is so very important that we obey in the things that he gives us. So um, when God began to uh, deal with me about these, uh, this, this new feeling, how he's looking to bring Everything that he's doing it within the process is to bring me harmony, is to harmonize me with his spirit so that I'm walking in accord with him so that I love what he loves. I hate what he hates that I can see as he sees, because even the Bible talks about that, you know, that man looking on the outward appearance of man, but it's God that looking upon the heart. So how God, you know, my question is how God, how, how, how. How do I mature my heart into a place where it is perfected in you? And so, you know, it starts with the hunger, people of God. It starts with that hunger, that desire of willing to walk up right before God. So as he began to deal with me about these new garments, he talked about um, even pulling me out of that old system, healed me of the different um Impotency. I may be saying the word wrong. Impotency. Uh, uh, impotency. Impotent. Yes. Um, and we both, you know, we all know that that word impotent means, you know, uh, feeble. It means weak. It doesn't just mean uh, sick or broken, but that word impotent, it means blind. It means lame. It means, you know, in a place where you're not believing. Uh, it's, it's a weak place. It's a place where you can't you don't even have the strength to bring forth. There's no peace in that impotent place. And so now as the new instructions come to say, you know, take up your bed and walk, meaning don't lie in where you've missed God. Don't lie in where you feel like I could have been farther up the road or I've done this and I've done that or I don't have this or I don't have that. Looking at all these things that make no difference to what it is that he's saying to you right now. What is God saying to you in this right now move? All those are things of the past. So you can't allow them to uh, project what your future should be when God has already gave you the, the framework. He gave you the outline for that. And so in taking you from that weak place and has made you strong, he looks to uh, perfect those things concerning you. Why? Because there are souls that need these healings. There are people out there broken there. You have ancestors praying that um, save my family, oh Lord God. There are people crying out.
that are waiting for the sons of God to come manifest. And we know that, you know, sons of God means sons, daughter, child of God. And so the Lord began to also take me to Psalms uh, 1 and 6. In Psalms 1 and 6, it says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So this new way God is is showing you to go, this new way God is showing you to do, righteousness is believing. God showed, made manifest that to me um, through revelation. Righteousness is believing. So that is believing God. You, you're trusting on God. You're leaning and you're depending on God. You're acknowledging him in all your ways. So he's directing your path. So even when it doesn't make uh, since according to the old system and the old works and ways of what somebody else is saying that you, you're still believing God and that's that righteousness. So it says, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, I know that we're in this season, that, that, that tax season where a lot of people are doing any and everything to get a, to get a hold to some money, to buy things because of the lust that's in the, the earth, the perversion and things. And, um, you know, a lot of people look forward, you know, to this season because that's that 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 wicked spirit. It's an ungodly spirit that tends to get upon a person that um, will make them operate in all different type of realms of perversion and unclean spirits and just uh, works of the flesh. But he's saying that those ways shall perish. So if you're believing God for a husband, you believe in God for a wife, you believe in God for a church, you believe in God for more members, you believe in God for anything that he has said. You cannot allow your eye gates to peer out the window at the world. You cannot allow things in your soul, your inner man that will contradict or push out the word. Those tears can come in through being in a presence of something ungodly and it bleed into your atmosphere. These things shall perish. So you shouldn't even want or feel vexed or or desire, you know, those places. You sh your, your hunger and your thirst should be in him because that's where he's looking to feel. So as God began to let me know in him pouring all of this, this has to be tried. So, you know, my love for him has to be tried because in him quickening me with the belief that he's given me, that's he has to try you by the word. So there's going to come contrary words. There's going to come contrary doctrines. There's going to come things that say differently than what God has told you. But who will you believe? Whose report will you believe? And so in guarding your mind and guarding your armor and guarding the things that the Lord has said to you, has done for you, even your witness, your victories and your testimony, you have to be sure and sound in the things that God has given you. That means meditating upon that, praising and worshiping. There's a lot of things that you may even have to consider just really cutting out of your diet naturally. So I want to you know, share this quick testimony, you know, that. Um, I was one that watched a lot of TV and God allowed it. And he used to use specific things that I'd watch and give me revelations from it. And it was all, it was awesome. But that was when I was a child and thought as a child. Now that God has looked to mature me, th those childish things have to be put, put away. And so 
even at first I cut down on TV. I cut down on TV. But as the birthing came forth and the guy began to take me totally out of that matrix, take me out of that system, the understanding and the revelation came forth of this. Sometimes people of God, we desire things and people and a lifestyle that was raised up within us from the world, from the systems of this world. You think you spoke as a, as, and I can only speak from a woman's standpoint. You think as a woman, you're supposed to get a husband. You're supposed to be able to, you know, be this awesome cook and have these holiday parties. And, you know, you and this man is supposed to be on a platform and you have this excellent big old wedding with this big old cake and you got this big old dress and, you know, um, you want that, that, that big house, that white picket fence, the dog and two or three kids and you begin to bank on that. And then you want, oh, I got to have good credit and I got to have a good income and I got to have this and I got to have that. And so when the revelation came forth that all these desires came from the way I was raised, things I was taught by my mother, things I was taught by my father, things I was taught by different mentors and people that I look forward to, people I watched on television, music I heard and I was in agreement with by dancing with it, worshiping it that these things built me. And so there was a railroad track and a navigation with system within me that had a desire and an expected end that had nothing to do with what God wanted to do for my life. And so once I understood that, it's like, I don't even know what I want. If everything I've ever wanted was lined up, came from a system that was perverted, a system that deceived me, a system that was enmity to God because it was carnal, it was in the flesh. Lord, I don't know what I want. <laughs> I know I don't want anything that's going to take me away from you. And all of that, if it's not given to by you or done in a timing of you, is exactly what that does. Because they show you all these things, but they don't give you process. They don't deal with character. So you have people running around getting married, getting cars, getting houses, don't know how to budget their finances, don't know how to keep themselves clean, don't know how to keep um, their mouth shut. Oh, God. Don't know how to reverence that husband, submit in that household. All these things are messed up. Then they got these uh, open re uh, uh, relationships with other people where nothing is private, what's going on in your marriage. You didn't told other people in the church. You didn't told your mama, everybody else got all these counsels. And so it's error. And so once I realized that the things that I had desired came as a birthing of a system, came as a uh, 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 a manifest, a manifested revelation came as a manifested revelation of, of something that had nothing to do with God. I don't want that. I want God enough to where I can love him with my whole heart. And if the Bible says I can't have two lovers, I can't serve two gods. I really need to understand exactly what serving is. And so to allow my heart to be held in a place <laughs> that is so far from God, how do I expect to keep God? How do I expect to stay saved? If I'm watching something that is projecting this system back into me subliminally, and now as I go up the road and I have an expected time for deliverance, here comes the tear.
that's fighting against my deliverance because I want to watch empire, because I want to watch power, because I want to watch being Mary Jane. And so now when God comes to give me a word, which is life unto me, I'm seeing it as death. And now rebellion is setting up. And now this is how Jezebel is birthed. Because I got a different desire than what God has for me. I'm not in agreement with him, but I got God on my mouth. Yes. And so it's rebellion. And it is as the spirit of witchcraft. So I stopped watching television to preserve my soul, to watch my relationship, because I understand why Solomon prayed. The way he did when God said, tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. You know, for God to even have done that, he had to know his heart. And so when Solomon said out of his mouth, he suffered some things. He knew some things. He had been somewhere. He had some stuff. God had loved on him, moved on him, talked to people through him. And so Solomon realized, and of course, this is the lineage of David. He realized that. As long as I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is meaning by faith, that thing that pleases God, believe in God, that's righteousness. As long as I believe God, trust God and work his will with the right spirit, which he'll give me if I ask and I yield to him to receive it. He's going to add unto me everything I need. God has proven himself over and over and over again. So you know what I need, God? I need the wisdom to go in and out amongst your people. Out of everything he could ask for, he could ask for a new wife. He could ask for more wisdom. He could, I mean, which he did. He could have asked for horses and chariots. He could have been asked to be the greatest in the land. He could have asked for the land. He didn't ask that. You know why? Because he wanted to be saved. He wanted to stay in a place pleasing God. And the the funny thing about that is now being birthed out from the system, that's my prayer. If God was to show up right here, right now, I just pray it a little differently. God, give me the strength. Give me the endurance to die. Anoint me to suffer with a glad spirit, with a glad heart, not a murmuring, complaining heart, not a heart of I can't take this. I ain't doing this. This ain't worth it. No, I want to do it with a glad heart. Like, let's get it. Let's get it. I'm going to do it because you said do it. So that's been my prayer. God, anoint me, touch me, move on me so that I can stay safe. Because even though we are in this world, we're not of it. So as saved as I am, I got to go amongst heathens, devils, unbelievers, and I got to stay kept. Yes, God looks for me to save. Yes, God looks for me to snatch up somebody else. Yes, God looks for me to save souls and be an effective witness. But I want to be effective, not defective. So that means keeping my garments. The, the enemy that's sneaking at unawares does that through bleeding through other people's atmosphere. You can go in a grocery store in a line. And you can be standing behind the most fornicatingest person ever. And you can be clean, righteous, and holy. You can discern it and pray all the day long. But some of that residue could bleed in your atmosphere. Carries an aura with it. Sin has an aura. Yes. And most people don't understand that. Um, this is, you know, all glory be to God and to God be the Lord. But this is something that God has dealt with me about. Um, there 
your Holy Spirit. Okay, yes, Lord, I do this that way. When you're birthed out and you give your life to the Lord, you get saved, um, and you get saved, there is a demonic realm that is around you that you cannot see with your natural eye. But spiritually, if God were to open your spiritual eye and you really see what is around you, it would scare the bejesus out of you. And I'm going to be honest with you. So when you go into these different places, these different realms where principalities govern and reign over these different places, they're projecting what they want in those atmospheres. They're projecting poverty. They're projecting lust. They're projecting fornication. They're projecting all these things to keep people captive, to keep them bound, to keep them locked up, to keep them from seeing who God wants them to be. That is their, that is their job to hold people captive. So when you get saved and you get change, renewed, and God transforms you, gives you a clean heart. Now you're going back into the world and you're around all these forces. And if you don't understand one, how to pray, one, how to guard your heart and keep your garments clean, you will walk around just aimlessly, not a care in the world. And then like my sister said, you could be standing in front of someone who is a very heavy fornicator but on the outside they look clean they look like they're saved they talk like they get they're saved they might not even be saved but because they look like a genuinely nice person you standing in their aura it can rub off on you because sin has an aura it has a presence one of the things that i wanted to say uh, when uh minister tucker was talking was that another reason why Solomon did that prayer because Solomon understood something. If the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, that means that God owns everything already. So I don't have to ask you for things that I know that you would give me if I need it. I'm not going to require these things or say, God, give me this, give me that, give me that, because that comes with it. If I'm seeking first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all these things will be added. And especially if my heart desires become your desires, then you already. So he's basically saying that he doesn't have to ask or I don't have to ask God for things that I already know that he owns. The earth is his, the gold is his, the the uh, cars are his, businesses are his. These are things that he already owns. So every need that I have will be met. All I have to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So Solomon had a maturity, so to speak, where he knew that I don't have to ask you for that. But I want you to, as my sister said, help me to go in and out where I'm not seeking and wanting the things more than you, where I can go in, do what I have to do and come out and not be snared, not be contaminated, still protect the garments you've given me, still walk in the same place that you've given me in the spirit, all of that. So that was one of the things that he did. And um, I wanted to um, also say that uh, another thing that Minister was uh, Minister Tucker was talking about um, one of the things that the Lord dealt with me about is that once you, God has given you to not do a certain thing or to not touch a certain thing or to give up something, mm -hmm. you're dying to that. 
Now, what a lot of people don't realize that they do is that when you die to something or you give something up, you have a funeral that you have. But if you keep carrying that coffin around with that dead person that God is telling you to let go of, and you really don't let it go. At any moment, you could just open that coffin up and that person that you're supposed to let go of will be there. And now you're walking in that. Yeah, uh, prophetess, I don't understand. I need an example. Okay. So if you have, a, uh, that's a good one. If you have an anger problem and God has been talking to you about your anger, God has been dealing with you about your anger. He's been dealing with you about your attitude, whatever it is. And he says, look, I want you to give this up. I want you to let this go. You start walking in it. That old man dies. The moment that that old man dies, you are to forget about that old man. You are to let that person go because that is the things of old. That is your past. It doesn't exist anymore. You are a new creature. You have a new identity in Christ and that's what you're supposed to walk in. But what a lot of people do is they carry that coffin wherever they go or that old man wherever they go and at the right moment they say look I can't say anything to you. I personally can't curse you out, but I have someone that can. And then they open up that coffin and then your old man pops up. And then you say, oh, Lord, I got to repent. I got to do this. I, uh, I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have acted that way. And how does that happen? Just like my sister said, one of the things that I understand and I'm understanding more is that when God asks you to give up something or to let something go, it's because one, he knows what's up the road and he also knows what you have a fight with. I did not realize how many spirits were in me until the Lord told me to stop eating it. I didn't realize that, you know, he had dealt with me before about how food has a spirit. But because I love food at the time so much, I really wasn't. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't trying to hear that. I said, no, Lord, I love this food. This is my favorite. This is all I have left. And I'm not going to let this go. You took everything else. I'm not letting food go. No. So then he said, I want you to stop eating meat. I want you to stop eating meat. I want you to eat more vegetables and things like that. I'm going to change the diet. I said, okay. So once he did that. He showed the process of what meat really goes through. That cow that you eat, that chicken that you eat, that fish that you eat. It goes through so much before it is packaged and shipped to the stores. It literally has to be killed. It is suffocated. It is slaughtered. It sees its family, its children slaughtered. It is depressed because it knows that all it was made for is to die so other people can cook it. So what all of those feelings, emotions that it's going through is now in that meat. And when you buy it, regardless of how many times you season it and you cook it, that spirit is still in that food. And I said, well, Lord, if I bless my food, then technically speaking, it's covered. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, that is death in the pot for you. For you to eat that meat. And I've given you not to eat it or you to consume or do something that I've given you not to do. That's like taking death and allowing that old man to rise up out of that coffin that you're carrying with you because you don't want to let it go. 
you consuming it, partaking in it, thinking on it, any of that can cause that old man that I'm trying to crucify, that I'm trying to die, that I want to stay dead to rise up again. And I said, okay, God, I, I, I understand now. And at first, it was really hard, but it's not anymore. It's like my senses have woken up more. Like I've been able to smell things I've never been able to smell before. I can smell things from far away. Someone can stand next to me and it's really weird, but I can almost tell just by the scent of what they ate. And I can smell the seasonings. It's like I can almost taste it now. It's like things are opening up more because now life is being put in my body and not death. So when he's asking or requiring of these things and he's changing your garments, it is very, very important. One, that you let it go and not remember it. That you allow that part of you to stay dead because so many times people of God, we don't even realize how clever the enemy tries to be because he wants to be, he, he doesn't want you to um, realize who you really are. He doesn't want you to die to your old ways. He doesn't want you to do that. So what does he do? He does, as my sister said, subliminal, what you said, messages through TV, through the internet, through the television, through conversation, all of these things. And guess what? Now you say, well, maybe I don't do that. I don't watch TV like that. But I guarantee you that if God hadn't told you to let go of some people that you haven't let go of, that is a portal that the enemy can use to contaminate you because you're still hanging around those same people. Um, one of the things that God had dealt with me about and had required of me, I haven't seen my family in a very, very long time. I haven't gone to a Thanksgiving dinner in a very long time. I haven't gone to a Christmas event in a very long time. Any of these things, right? And the thing that I didn't understand was that I was like, well, that's, you know, God is all about family. You know, he loves, and it's very true. He is. But if he's requiring you to come away, it's because he's trying to change you. He's trying to take something out of you. What you really don't realize is that while he's taking you through that spiritual birth canal, him telling you to stay away, is he's protecting you from all those forces that he's trying to deliver from you. So if you go out into that same place and he said, I want you to walk this way. I want you to talk like this. I want you to act like this. I want you to do this, 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 this. You're not prepared to handle it. So when you go out there, he done told you to stop lying, stop fornicating, stop smoking, stop drinking, and all these things. You go into that atmosphere, and all of a sudden, you realize that you're getting at ease and loose because you're around your family or your friends or people that you say you trust, and all of these things that he's trying to get out of you is being pump in you whether you're partaking in it or not and then you leave you don't renounce you don't pray or any of those things and even if you do you don't realize that that residue of what he told you to stay around from is in you now people of God you are like a computer mm -hmm. you handle and can receive downloads from the Lord so that computer has so much in it the hardware is packed with all this information and what you don't realize is all 
all it takes is just like you know how you want to look up something and it's you go on the internet, you try to look something up or you try to do a document or anything. When you're working on the computer, there are so many ads that come through your computer that try to get you to click on it or to purchase this or do this or do that. That's picture you as being the monitor. You're the desktop. Now, God is typing things into your spirit. He's downloading information to you. He's downloading your character. He's downloading things that he wants you to do. While he's doing that, an ad pops up. Now, that ad is that subliminal message. And say it if I say it wrong, so help me out. That message that is supposed to distract and contaminate you. Now, you don't realize this is that, but let's go naturally so. So while God is giving you a new way of walking, a new way of talking, you go around that family member and that family member is a gossiper and God said he don't want you to gossip. The moment you in that atmosphere, you may not say anything, but the fact that they're gossiping around you, it's in your spirit and you don't even know it. You come home locked and loaded with all these spirits that have been projected into your spirit. And now when you get up the road or when it's the time for you, as my sister said, for you to get deliverance, it hinders you from getting delivered completely because there are too many connections or cords to the world. And so many people don't understand that. They see it as that, you know, God wants us to enjoy our life. God wants us to have fun. God is, you know, he he he's a he knows your heart. He understands it. He, he doesn't want understand you to be bound up. Right. He understands your heart, but he knows that it's wicked, deceitful. Who can know it but him? He knows that it's filthy and he wants it to be clean. And a lot of people don't pay attention to that part. All they do is take God knows my heart so I can do this. No, 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 no. But we're not going to get into that. But it's so important that um, you understand that when he's requiring these things from you, it's not because God doesn't want you to uh that he doesn't love you or he doesn't you or he just wants you to suffer he does want you to suffer to your flesh yes. so you can rise to your new man and you can walk in power and domain i don't know about you but i'm excited about this new place that god is getting ready to do Amen. because i can't wait to see it it's like it's something in me i'm just gonna be honest it's something in me that's looking for demons just to kill them because i understand that you were the same one that attacked me, that tried to get me to leave God, that tried to get me to not find out who I am. And now you want to attack my brother or sister or people that I don't even know, that don't even know God. No, I'm coming after you because you're not going to do that. Jesus is Lord. He's going to win. And it's just these little things that God does to keep you excited and gives you something to look forward to that expecting in. But I want to hand it over to my sister, Gayla. Go ahead. Um, One thing that I want to bring out is that there's, beauty in the suffering that the the Lord allows you to go through because in the process of it there's something being worked on the inside of you that is powerful yes that the enemy cannot stand against yes and just you know going off of giving scripture to what uh my sister Ebony was saying um in Ezekiel 36 and 21 I'm gonna just read from 21 through it says but I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Meaning whatever the Lord gave you not to do, the people who he told you not to go around when you went around, you let your guards down and 
like in the scenario she gave about the gossiping, even though you might not have opened your mouth to participate in it, you being in that atmosphere showed weakness and caused them to believe and think of you and the God you say you serve with less reverence, without reverence. Uh, she, I know she ain't saying she, she, she wanted to say, say something, but you know, notice how she didn't say nothing when I brought such and such up. The, the, there's still a consequence, even if you don't participate. Being in that atmosphere contaminates your spirit and contaminates your garments. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus said the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes. O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness. And from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses. I never saw it that way. I just whenever I would read it, I would say your uncleanness. But it says all your uncleannesses. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Now, this is it's getting to the, the one part that I really want to get across. It says, then shall ye remember verse 31. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for the iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Now what the Lord dealt with me out of that about was, Knowing where we are, knowing the place that God has us in, it's very easy in the moment of your tribulation, in the moment of your suffering, in the moment of dying to your flesh, to forget about everything else that the Lord has done for you, to forget about the way that he brought you out, because in that moment, you're so focused on what you're going through that you can't see or remember the big picture. But that doesn't have to be so if you cleave to the word that he gave you 
and take it for what it is when it first comes. Holding on to it, meditating on it, studying it, and putting forth the action to walk in it, keeping the word in your heart so that when that that hardship comes, that suffering comes, even though it hurts, even though it feels terrible, even in the midst of all of that, you have something to hold on to that will help you get through it. And, you know, I thank God because, you know, over the last couple of weeks, he had me, you know, put me in remembrance of how far that he's brought me and the amazing people that he surrounded me with in the body of Christ because he has snatched me away into a secret place away from my family for a period of time. Because this is one thing that he like blessed my heart with and made me, you know, remember and like renewed love towards my sister was I did not have a license. I did not have a driver's license. I took driver's ed senior year and they gave me my permit. And all I had to do was go to the DMV and get my driver's license once I graduated. But that didn't end up happening. I didn't get my driver's license until last year. About a year and a half ago, I would guess. It's going on two years now. But I didn't, I couldn't go to my family to do it. The one person who actually took me to do that was my sister sitting right here, Minister Tucker. And when she did it, she did it with such a happy heart, had me excited about it and when we got there the Lord showed favor and in spite of the difficulties we have with each other sometimes and I can get you know so angry and upset sometimes I love this woman of God and in one of those moments of where the enemy was trying to fight my mind about her and to poison my spirit about her the Lord dropped in my spirit but you remember she did this for you she doesn't feel that way about you. She doesn't think the way the enemy is telling you she thinks about you. She genuinely loves you. You can't talk to your sisters right now. But I gave you one right next to you who's your business partner now who you can go to and actually be have like be a sister with. He put me in remembrance of that. And God be all the glory. I love you too. <laughs> But like just that blessed my heart. And then I began to think about all of the other blessings he has given me. He has given me through other people in this ministry. I truly have a real kingdom minded family in this ministry who care more, who care about more than just me having a good job and money and being able to take care of myself. They care about all of that too, but they also care about my spiritual well-being, even enough to rebuke me when I'm wrong. And so he he brought all of that back to my remembrance to, to, to help put my mind back in the right place so that I didn't walk around murmuring and complaining about the suffering that I was going through. It helped me to be able to say, you know what, I can get through this suffering 
because you brought me from all of that to here. This suffering is worthwhile because when I come out on the other side, I'm going to have power. I'm going to have victory. I'm going to have dominion over my enemies. And, you know, what he was also showing me is that during that process that we're going through, he showed us something about ourselves that he doesn't like. He put his finger on the thing and he said, don't do that no more. That's you can't do that anymore. This displeases me. You are to walk this way. This is the way to holiness. This is the way to righteousness. This is the way to get closer to me. This is the way to make it to your mansion in heaven. You have to let that go. So he tells you that and it causes causes a suffering because it's causing your flesh to die. Death isn't pretty. People like the, the human body goes through a ton of different stages in the in the throes of death. And it is not pretty. So death is painful, even when it's spiritual. So going through that, if you're if you don't, what he showed me is if you don't go through it right, if you fight and you buck yes. against that death yes. and you murmur and complain in the process, even if you stick it out until the end, because you didn't go through it with the right heart and the right spirit, and you doubt it and you fought it the whole time. God will not allow his name to be blasphemed mm-hmm. because you stay. He, he, he's going to, he, he recognizes there had to be like something in you that kept you there. Maybe in your heart, you just like you fighting, like, Lord, I don't want to go back to how I used to be. I don't want to go back there. I want to stay. I want to do right. But something in you is still fighting and murmuring and complaining. He sees your willingness to stay. And he will he will bless you for it. You get something for that. But just know that when you see the blessing come, when you see the fulfillment come, as the scripture said in Ezekiel 36 and 31, then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good. And ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. You were like, but I wasn't doing anything crazy out of order during that process. The fact that your mind was contrary in the first place is an abomination. Because that's the thing that God looks upon as it, you know, the scripture talked about, you know, man looking on the outward appearance, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. God that looking on the heart. The that's heart. what he tries as the heart. Now, what I, I, this message may spill over a little bit, people of God, but please have your pens and papers because there's some secret mysteries that God has given that you definitely want to adhere to. Um, and, and what my sister here was saying was um, you don't want to murmur and complain through the process. Now, I bless the name of the Lord for this. Well, this this is some real good stuff that the Lord is getting ready to pour out right here, people of God. Please listen. Please take notes. Please pay attention because this right here is good. Earlier in this message, I told you that the question that I asked God was, you know, help me to suffer right. Help me to stay in the process. Help me to have the right heart. So then God began to reveal things to me, the secret things. You know, when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, it said it pleased God. And all I could think was, oh, <laughs> please, God, because he was crucifying his flesh. And Which then I no would dwell in no good thing. So then I, he showed me another scripture. It says, you know, that you're supposed to take up your cross and die. 
So if I'm supposed to be like Christ, how do I die? The instructions he's given. So if you murmur and complain in the process, this is the children. Of, there's a formula, people of God. There's a formula. The children of Israel murmured and complained. So they wandered for 40 years. What well, was supposed to be originally a three day trip. Yeah. I mean. And so they so, you know, they missed it. So then God has showed me Romans, the 10th chapter, starting at the 10th verse. It says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now, I know we use that as a soul winning tool. And yeah, you know, but do you really understand what that's saying? Righteousness is that belief system is believing God. That's how you suffer with a God, a glad heart, mm -hmm. because the the process, the process, people of God, is this right here. Romans, the fifth chapter, starting at the third verse, it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Why does it say glory? Because that's how the presence of God comes in your life to operate and demonstrate and power. It starts at the tribulation. It says, it says, and not so it says, but we glory in tribulations. Also knowing, what's that knowing? That's that fellowship place. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. Patience is something that we need. How do we get it? Tribulation. So when you're going through something, know that God is working patience. Oh, yeah. And when you know that you got fruit coming, now I can do this with a glad heart because I can look in this tribulation and see where's God? What is it that you want me to learn? What is it you want me to do? That's how you yield. It says tribulation. It says tribulation. It's also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. Do you know that another word for experience is learning? Yeah. This is how the Holy Ghost teaches you. It is through tribulations. It is through mistakes to perfect you, which is mature you. This is how master. God perfect those things concerning you. This is how you become a master. But you have to be a proper steward over that which God gives you spiritually and naturally so. So let me show you this process, people of God. It says, in patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not a shame hope is a faith mm -hmm. is is let me just break it down for the most simplest of person i could tell my daughter i'm making cupcakes i want you to prepare the icing now she ain't see me make a cupcake she can't smell nothing cooking she don't even see me near the oven she ain't see me go in the kitchen and I said, I'm a, I want you to ice these cupcakes. So I give her all this icing and I tell her, I need you to break this up, do this, do that. And she see rock hearts or chocolate. And she said, how am I supposed to? And so she's frustrated at the fact that she got to work this thing to get this stuff to be now a melty substance, a melty icing to put on a cake. And then she don't even see me with no cupcakes. But she can either warmer and complain about it because this is hard. How come I can't bring the cupcakes with the icing? Or she can sit in her heart and doubt, man, I'm going to do this later because I don't even see her working on it. Now, all in all, I could have these cupcakes uh, hot, fresh and ready and, and put away. I didn't necessarily have to use the oven here at the house. But if she worked on, oh, I'm going to get a cupcake. I'm going to, oh, this going to be good. This going to be fat. I'm going to do my best at this. So that this, this icing, oh, this icing is just going to be so bomb. Everybody going to love it. I'm going, I'm going to put my heart in this. I'm going to do good with this because this is going on them cupcakes. Oh, you know what? I'm going to make a lot so that I got enough for chocolate and vanilla cupcakes. Oh, hopefully she bring me back some more stuff so I can really, really do 
thousands of cupcakes. I'm going to get this. And if she is hoping in what I said, bringing forth the cupcakes, she will make that icing with a glad heart. She will delight in it, thinking about the expected end and not looking at, I got to melt the chocolate. I got to cut this up. I got to eat this up. I got to get a pot. I got She's not looking at none of that. She's not looking at the fact, I ain't seen her bake a not a nothing. I ain't, I ain't never seen her bake a not a nothing. I ain't smell no cupcakes. I don't feel cupcakey, that, that hopeful feeling you feel when, when it arrives. I'm not feeling any of that. And then she brought me all this stuff. That's the murmuring complaint. That's that what place you wander, because I'm not going to be happy at seeing that. And if I got to do all the work, why well, I got to share it with you? Oops. Now, if I see her murmuring and complaining, I'm going to look at all this and see, I want to share this with you. And if I got to do all the work, what I need you for? Sounds like you can be replaced right there. Mm-hmm. So going back to that word. Just saying that and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not a shame. Coincidentally, the mm. 10th chapter of Romans said, Loose <clears throat> <clears throat> me, devil, in the name of Jesus. It said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be made ashamed. Mm. So it sounds like God says, I'm not gonna leave you ashamed. I'm going to do exactly what I'm going to say I'm going to do. But it's up to you to believe me. So when you believe God, that's what takes you through the process quicker. Then you're being made faithful over a few things. Now he can make you a ruler over rush, over much. Now he can give you more revelation. Now he can give you more downloads because you've been faithful concerning this thing. And in Romans, the 10th chapter, it said that that confession was made unto salvation. Your salvation is a whole recipe of things that keep you saved. According to the grace of God, the instructions, the wisdom, the knowledge, the impartation God is giving you. So when that instruction and that download is given to you and you believe it, your confession is saying what God said. You saying what he said. You are not take. You're not. Speaking against your promise, pushing away. In the multitude of the words lieth sin. Shut up. If it's not, don't then, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. And then don't lean on your own understanding when God has given you an understanding, which is patience. Let patience have its perfect working use so that you are make perfect and entirely wanting nothing. Want He want to get that want out of you. So that you will hunger. It's a difference between a hunger and a want. I want for nothing, but I hunger to be thirst by God. It says, blessed, it says uh, that if you hunger after righteousness, that you'll be filled. Meaning if you believe in God, you hungering after this thing. Give it to me, God. 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 He will fill you. That's that glad heart. That's that daughter. I'm glad to get them cupcakes too. In fact, let me give her a double. Let me give her a double portion because she didn't been doing this with a glad heart. I'm going to get these cupcakes. It can smell like nothing. No matter what it looked like. No matter what other people may have said to her. No matter how hard her, her hand might even be tired. She might even be suffering from carpal tunnel arthritis. But she's still working that hand to crush that chocolate to make it right. And she's still rejoicing. And I ain't worried about this hand. Hallelujah. God can give me another hand and cupcakes. Come on now. Now her faith at a different level. That's stewardship. We have to steward the things God has given us. So that's how we suffer in gladness. When you can have an eye to hear, I mean, an eye to see and an ear to hear. 
properly. You can fight and ward off devils that come against your process. That come against the promises of God. When you really love God and you begin to meditate on the goodness of God day and night, like the words say, you know, people of God, I, I, I've been so worshiping God, and I can feel His presence even now. I've been worshiping God now that I don't have TV in my life. Now that I don't have TV, I take that time and I dance before the Lord. I praise God. I get my music going. Or I just go up in prayer. And because I just want him because I'm so hungry. Oh, God, I just I just want you. I just want to be in your presence. It's like a best friend. You know, you're that best friend. You want to tell everything to you want to open up to and you trust them and you trust what they tell you and you and you run to them. That's how I run to God. And so I even if he ain't speaking. I'm going before him with praises. I'm going before him with worship. I myself even printed out uh, lyrics to songs. And in my private time, I study these lyrics and I sing them and I dance them before God because I want to please him. I want him to be happy with me. I would please a maid if I was married. I would want them to be happy. So why can't I do this for God? So I look to please him. And as God has been pouring out on me, not just naturally, spiritually, so I won't for nothing. You know, sometimes the devil will try to paint pictures of situations you're going through. You ain't driving. <laughs> no devil, I'm chauffeured. <laughs> what you say now? <laughs> and then you know that when those accusations come, I'm getting closer and closer to the manifestation. Let me dance because now I got a song to take with me in the new ride. And now I can ride with him in the heavens and go and praise God everywhere. Not just with my spirit, not just with my attitude, but with the manifestation, with the effective witness to set people free. Now, double, triple trouble, devil. Hallelujah. But you have to be able to see God. That's that belief part. Last week, I was attacked by something and my in in what I thought was an attack was a rebuke and the rebuke came and I was so just being transferred. I was hot. And when that rebuke came, my intentions and what I did and what I had felt prayed to were all well indeed and good and in the Lord. But yet I was rebuked. And so as I was rebuked, I had to catch my spirit. And I said, wait, wait, devil, before I get offended and not be blessed. Because the Bible says, blessed is the man not offended in me. Wait a minute. Before I not be blessed, before I let the devil curse me or I curse or blaspheme God, Lord, where are you right now? Show me where you are. The Bible says if I seek him, then I will find him. If I ask, it'll be given to me. If I knock, the door shall be open to me. So God, where are you right now? And he said, love. Love believeth all things. Love is not haughty. It is not proud. It endures all it things. It endures all things. I want you to endure. It suffers long. I want you to endure all this. I want you to suffer all this and still look at them as your brother and sister. Still love them. Still operate in the spirit and not in your flesh. This is that love moment. That's what I'm trying to your heart. Love. And it's like, oh, God. You love me enough to give me a cheat sheet right in the midst of a test. My God, talk about preparing me to have that heart, to walk upright. That's the goodness of God. But you have to allow him to birth out those things. Birth, I mean, not birth out, but kill those things in you and birth you out of the system. You have to let it go. I didn't think that I could live 
without television because I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm single. I don't go anywhere. I work really hard and, you know, I need somewhere else to put my mind so I don't go depressed. And what I didn't know is God wanted to take it to give me him. And in the process of doing that, it has allowed me to climb up the rankings. It has allowed God to begin to pour into me the more of him and knowing him, knowing that, you know, um, that, in the multitude of words lieth sin, that knowing that, you know, I should be quick to hear and slow to speak so that I'm watching. I want to go to Proverbs, the first chapter, and I want to start at the fourth verse. It says to give subtlety to the simple. So I want to I'm going to break this down how the Lord gave it to me. Subtlety is a clever way of doing things for those that uh, understand. And the simple are those that are teachable, somebody with a teachable spirit. So it says to give subtlety to the simple. And it says to the young man, knowledge. You know what? Uh, knowledge is that suffering place. So really, he's calling you to come forth to <laughs> fellowship with him. So he says, and to give to the young man knowledge and discretion, meaning I'm not blasting. I'm not telling everybody, God is doing this. God is saying this. Uh-uh, don't do that. God ain't in that. I'm being discreet with it. I'm holding my oil. I'm watching. I'm being quick to hear and slow to speak. I'm not just pouring out the secret things that God has given me. For everybody. Exactly, which is called what could cause an offense. So now he said, I'm going to give you my presence with a knowledge that come with suffering because knowledge means suffering. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm going to give you a process to birth out the more of you. And we're going to do this discreetly. Because you're responsible for what you know. Yes. And then the fifth verse says, a wise man man will hear and will increase in learning. Let me show you this process. Even in Old Testament, a wise man will hear. Remember, be careful how you hear. It says increase in learning. Learning means experience. Tribulation work is patience. Patience, experience. Oh, so I'm I'm moving up the ladder. I'm, I'm, I'm in experience now. So it's a suffering place. But I understand that I'm suffering to learn Mm -hmm. so that I can experience some things so that I can have that effective witness under my belt. And it says a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Did you know understanding also means patience? Mm -hmm. So now I'm patient, meaning I'm not given an answer before I hear the whole matter, which is a foolish um, a foolish characteristic. He doesn't want me foolish. This, that's, these are, these are symptoms of Vashti, the pride, the unteachable spirit. You know, she was even doing a research of her. She was one that her father was uh, killed by King Darius. And then King Darius took, her father was actually, uh, uh, the man that said bow Nebuchadnezzar yes. was her father mm-hmm. and so um, her father was one known for bow down and worship the sack butt and the, the music he was a very carnal person that took dominion over people like a like an Amazon spirit mm-hmm. so they took her captive and instead of obeying and killing everything which is also a Saul spirit because God told Saul you know kill the people and they thought no we did the spoils lust so they kept her and they gave her to his grandson because she was beautiful, not knowing she was Jezebelic. So God is working out Jezebel out of you. He's trying to make you docile. OK, so this is this is the ear to hear when you die, when you yield, when you allow God to chasten you, when you're willing to take that rebuke and correction and still. Yes, Lord, and love him. It says a wise man 
will hear and will increase in learning, which is experience. And a man of understanding, which is patience, shall attain to wise counsels. So you are son or daughter when you can hear the Lord. You know, he's not talking to everybody. And you're hearing his voice. You're hearing carefully. And you're acknowledging him in all your ways. He's directing your paths. Now you're coming on through. It says um, to understand a proverb, which is un- which is patience. It takes time. Let him work. Take that one out you to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise, meaning the people that have been processed, those, your successor, those that have the effective witness. It says, and their dark sayings. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So that's the beginning of the suffering in the process place. How do I fear God? Let me let me let me let me show you. How do I fear God? You fear the Lord when you understand. This is that patience part. God has made the whole earth, even you, out of dirt. He knows the secret things, the hidden things. There's nothing before God he don't know and he don't see. So at any point of time, God can afflict you in a way and only he knows how. He could think something and you're done. You can wake up in a coffin. You can wake up in hell. Which is where his presence is too. So to understand the wrath of God, the judgment of God, how can't nobody beat God? Mm-hmm. How when God says something, can't nobody change that? That's enough to make me fear and reverence him. That's the beginning of knowledge right there. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now I'll suffer because I know mm-hmm. God got me. Now I'm trusting and I'm resting in the Lord. It says, it says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So a fool talks too much. A fool just jokes and plays. A fool's got pride. A fool don't want to hear. A fool want to do what it want to do. Discover its own heart. That's a fool right there. It says, my son, hear the instructions of the father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains of thy neck. And that's how God is beginning to change my garments, not just spiritually, I mean, naturally so, but God is changing them spiritually because there's a work that he is doing in the heavens. There's a work he's doing within me. There's a work he wants done to be a clean vessel, not just a rib to protect and be in the body. But, you know, uh, I used to study stem cell research and basically just give make a long story short a stem cell is a clean whole cell and because it is clean whole and healthy it's pure it can be used at any part of the body any point of time and it will heal it will send forth a restoration it will rejuvenate and make whole any part it is placed in it's a blank slate. It's, it's, it's open. It's docile. It's submissive. Anything. It's ready to be used. No, and that's that what God wants. It helps to reproduce. It can, that stem cell can also um, take or be used to be put in someone else's body if their organs are failing, if they need things to be rebuilt. So it is a very, very powerful, powerful piece and within the body. And you want to know where you get those stem cells from? 
the umbilical cord unless you become as a little child meaning to you humble yourself because god will not tarry a liar in his sight he's not hearing pride because there's no wisdom no counsel no understanding against the lord so god is making me ready to use me at any given point and because he has changed my heart and changed my desires if you ask me right now what i want I want to stay safe. I want to have. I want the wisdom to go in and out amongst your people because I want to be stay a clean slate. I want to be available to you at all times. This is how Enoch walked with God because he wanted God so bad. He wanted God so bad that he didn't want anything to get in the way. Nothing shall separate him from the love of God. That was his heart, and that was the heart of God. And so. And so I want to go to uh, first Colossians, the first chapter, and I want to go to the ninth verse. It says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all understanding and spiritual understanding that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Meaning there's nothing that God will not reveal to you or tell to you. But he has to first work on that heart. Mm -hmm. He has to first process you. How do I get through this process quick? I have to delight in the Lord. I have to delight in the process. And when you allow God to process your heart where you can now delight in the laws of your God because you you got that hope, you got that expectation, you know what it is that he wants to do and what he wills to do through you. Now you can come up in the rankings. Believe it or not, you know, this is what made Esther so beautiful. She was processed. She was humble. She was docile when. um. When Mordecai told her that she didn't even need to tell people that that um, the king had chosen her to put a um, crown on her head, she submitted. She didn't question it. She didn't say, uh-uh, baby, it's time for that big dress, big wedding, big cake. It's time for me to call my mama, my sisters and them. I need 50 bridesmaids. I need to be 50 women deep. We need to do this. I'm going to get on Facebook Live. She didn't do any of that. She shut her mouth because she was subtle. She was docile. She was submissive, baby. And this, these were the garments that made her beautiful because wisdom is known of her children, the Bible says. So because she had been processed, because she had been, because she had wisdom, knowledge, because she had prudence, because she had discretion, she had been filled with the Holy Ghost. This is the garment that she walked up right in. This is what made her attractive. The Bible talks about giving you beauty for ashes. I, I didn't understand that for the life of me. I kept saying, oh God, and some people will answer your prayer. God, give me beauty for ashes. Give me beauty for ashes. Ashes is a form of repentance, people yes, of God. People put on sackcloth and ashes That's when they wanted to repent, when they wanted to get back into the presence of God, when they wanted to get back into the good graces of God. And for that, he gave them beauty, which was what? Grace. Instructions on how their salvation is to work. His will in them, working the will and to do for his good pleasure. That's my ornaments. You know, it's, 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 it's uh, coincidentally, 
that the Lord put pearls on me. And, you know, pearls is just a thing. Pearls go through a process. Mm -hmm. They go through a rough place and then they are birthed out perfect, white, whole mm -hmm. Jesus. And so for you to be seen by that king that God wills and has for you or for God to even move you into another body because he didn't raise you up behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You have to submit and yield to the process. Delight in it. Sometimes and I must have to start doing this more frequently. I do it at home. But, hey, let me do it in the workplace. Let me set my alarm off. Where I got to. I get right back to you. Go do my my dance, my praise, and my worship, and I get the getting before God like I do at home, so that my relationship is stayed. Because my new garments is the instruction. I can't be talking to everybody. I can't be a God doesn't like a talebearer. It's it's one of the things he hates. A talebearer tells secrets. It's not just a gospel or a backbiter. It's one where God will pour revelation knowledge, and then you ain't expedient, and you just want to pour it out to show I'm just such a great one. I ain't got to say not a word. I know who I am. That's how you know God and how God you 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 suffer because you know God loves you. It did what somebody else says something that God has already said to you or already discerned or, or told with you, then it'll build confirmation that you ain't gotta go or you ain't gotta go, yes, you can be discreet, subtle, and you can just nod your head on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. When you, when God says, I want you to come and do greater works, when God says, I want you to do greater works in being able to do greater works, people of God, there's a process, there's a suffering that come with that wisdom and you got to take it and mm -hmm. to be able to, uh, I don't know, precede and be greater than your successor, that means it's, it's going to be, it's, it's fellowship time. It's, for, it's suffering time so that. that you can get into that place. Now, I'm not, don't miss, don't let me dress you with my garments, people of God, because if God has not called you to that realm, has not called you to that place, don't allow this word or this armor to be placed on you inappropriately. Hear what it is that is for you. The the, the, the meat of this message is knowing how to suffer so that God can have his perfect work in you. One of the things um, that you said, I want to go back to that, because um, another thing that made Esther worthy with her process was that she didn't have lust in her. She, Esther was getting to she was given to a king. Now, this king owns so many things that are at her disposal that God had to make sure he purged it out of her before he gave her to a king. So he knew that even though I'm giving you to him, there's nothing in you that would take you from me. I still have a part of the bullshit that belongs to me. Yeah. So that is what makes you attracted to him because he knows that it's one part that um that I saw in that movie it was one night before the king. And this one particular woman, they they took the woman in the room and they said, Whatever you choose to wear with your one night before the king, you get to keep. 
I mean, these women went to every treasure. They raided through the jewels. They raided through the coal, the gold. They dressed themselves. One girl was so heavy, she couldn't even get up on the horse because they told her that even whatever you wear with someone that was before the king, you get to keep it. Even if he don't choose you, it's yours. So that means that there was still once none that said that even if I don't get you, I'm still leaving with the good. So I'm leaving with something. That's a form of lust. Not only that, it's Jezebelic. The only thing that Esther took with her was one necklace. And that necklace that she took with her was to give to the king. So she was saying, I don't need to take anything with me, but I want to give you something. I want to leave you with something. There was nothing in her that wanted all the stuff that he had. She just wanted to be with him, to be a part of him. Now check this out. Purged thoroughly. She was, everything was taken out of her. She was thoroughly processed. There was no lust in her. There was no rebellion in her. None of that was in her. She could add to him. So many times people got one of the things that God takes out of us as women especially because when we are born, we are shaping, we are imparted everything. You got to have this. If the man don't have that, he's not this. If he this, 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 he this, this, this. You got to have this. You got to have that. And what happens is, is when you get saved, God changes and reroutes your whole idea of how things are supposed to be. And he said, you wanted this thing you're going to learn how to do is you're going to learn how to serve. You're going to learn how to submit. You're going to learn how to shut your mouth. You're going to learn how to do this. You're going to learn that. You're going to have to learn how to go with the flow. If your husband say no, that's what he meant. You got to go with it. If he has this, you shouldn't be going with him or getting with him because of what he has. You should be getting with him because of what you can add to him, what you can build, what you can birth out. You have to understand that even with that, that's the assignment because we are we were made and created to reproduce in whatever it is that we're doing. You may not say, well, prophetess, uh -huh. I'm not talking about marriage. This, 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 this. I'm not even talking just about marriage. I'm talking about your relationship period. with Christ. Your relationship your bride with of Christ. Christ. You were made to produce. You were made to give back. You were made to add to. So if God is taking you through this assignment. He's taking you through this. He's pulling all of that out of you. He's pulling out the, the manipulation. He's pulling out all these old idols and gods and things like that to put you in him, put him in you. But here's the thing. One of the main things, another thing that made her worthy and her quietness is because the king, God knew that the king would be able to trust her with information. That's Proverbs 31 he woman. He's a king. Mm -hmm. He can't give anything to everybody. He can't tell certain things to everybody. Mm -hmm. She was being worthy mm -hmm. because Jesus. she could trust her. He could trust the fact that if I tell you that I'm going to launch an attack in Egypt, I know you're not going to send messages to them to protect her. She was no Delilah. Delilah. Uh huh. She knew that he could trust her because once she wasn't full of pride, she had none of the spirit of that side in her. She was completely remade and made over. And one of the things that God says is that's one of the reasons why he said he requires your mouth. That's one of the reasons why it says that he doesn't want Christ, uh, Christ to be 
crucified afresh. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want that crucifixion to happen again because once God is or Christ is being put in you, he's alive in you. He's operating in you. So that means that you have to protect him now. Yes. You have to shield him now. You are now his rib. So now that he's in you, you protecting Christ. You're saying like, look, Jesus is in me. I can't have this. I can't do this. I can't do that. I want you to talk to me in the type of way. I want you to touch me. I want you to do this. I want you to do that because I want to protect what I have in me. So I can allow a door to get in there because why? I'm not being a proper intercessor or a proper protector of what that jewel or that protection that God has given. So for those of you that kind of got offended because that's what I was sensing when my sister was talking about shutting your mouth. Those of you that got offended, that's why he wants your mouth. Because if he's giving you things you spewing it out. You don't realize Jesus is being whipped again. Ouch. He's being stoned again. Mm -hmm. He's being cut again. He's been spit on again. He, he, he's been uh, attacked. People saying crucify him, crucify him, crucify him because of what you've been opened up and the atmosphere you're in, not only that, even if he's giving you to give up certain things, you're taking it in that, you're crucifying him again. You are to protect that because now, as my sister said, you are a steward to protect Christ. So a lot of people say, God, give me you, give me you. Uh, oh, I want the more of you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your glory. He say, okay, I can give you that. But if I give it to you and you can't protect it, mm -hmm. why get why would I give something to you? And I'm a father. If your child is not good with taking care of something or doing something, you're not gonna reward them all the time. You're just not gonna do it. So this to get this gift or this precious gift of the Holy Ghost, he doesn't want you to crucify, he doesn't want you to lose it, he doesn't want you, he wants you to be able to be the vessel that's clean out yes. and shaping for him to carry it all the way through. So that's why it's important, people that that's why the process is so important. One of the main songs that I didn't understand until about two weeks ago was the song, Give Me You, and that was my favorite thing. I would always say, God, give me you. Everything else can wait. Lord, give me you. And you know what he said? Okay. That everything else that you said can wait, that means your time. That means the things that you love more than me. That means your appetite. That means your family. That means this. That means that. All of these things, you said everything else can wait. Give me you. So in order for me to get that, I can't focus on this. I can't focus on age. I can't focus on all these other things. I have to focus on the fact that right now, if you say, Ebony, I want you to give up me. I can't complain because you just said give up me because he going to say, well, you said give me you. Yeah. Now, one, now one thing I do want to add in, that, uh, going back to something she said about the one thing that Esther did give the king was a necklace. In Proverbs, the first chapter and the ninth verse, it says, for they, it says, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about that neck. That chain in that neck is God showed me and revealed to me is that relationship, that bond between you and him. So what Esther was able to give to that king was to make sure that the man of God's relationship stayed sound with the Lord, that they walked on one accord. Be blessed, people of God.